Paul Beatty established BT Global along with Jacques Lacroix in 2006, but here's the deal. Since launching the BT Global Growth Fund in September 2006, boy, that fund has generated a net return of 13.3% per year. Wow. Uh, by the way, that's uh, getting close to about two, uh, 250% more than the TSX, uh, TSX index over that time, uh, way more than the S&P 500. He joins me right now on the line. Uh, Paul, first of all, appreciate you finding time for us on the weekend because uh, I'll tell you, we need you to make sense of these markets for us. I mean, what's the overview? <laughs> I wish I could make sense of these markets, Michael, but uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, tough markets for sure, especially in Canada. Uh, what can I tell you? you, you if, if, if management uh, disappoints, uh, it's just devastating, right? I mean, uh, this week, I think uh, we saw three or four stocks uh, falling, you know, 30% plus just because uh, numbers were missed. So it's a tough environment out there. What, well, okay, so how do you, do you come to approaching a market? Is this kind of uh, one of those times you just say, hey, I'm going to step away until a more definitive trend kind of shows itself? Or do you have like a screen full of companies that you sort of say, I may not own these at this point, uh, but if they hit a number, I'm going to jump in? Or, or how, do, how does one go about it? Well, I mean, listen, we run, uh, we run our investment policy based on cash flow. So we invest in companies that traded low cash flow multiples and uh frankly i'm i you know stocks have been stocks are much cheaper than they were uh here in canada even four months ago there are a number i mean you can look at the indices they go down i don't know 10 percent but 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 frankly some stocks are down 40 50 60 percent and uh and that's what we spend all our time looking at and some of these things are are ridiculously inexpensive so so we're buyers we're uh I'm not as pessimistic as uh, as your last caller. I, I, I don't see the U.S. market uh, rolling over. Uh, what are you going to do with your money? You're going to buy bonds? Give me a break. There's, yeah. You know, and you could go buy Apple stock. I mean, I, listen, I've been investing for 30 years. How does the market? You know, people tell me, well, the market's going to crash. The market's going to go down. How does the market go down when the largest company in America is trading at 10 times earnings? with no debt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not a, some things are overvalued. I can't tell you about the valuation of the uh, you know, the biotech industry. Yeah, it probably is uh, overvalued. So certain sectors you don't want to be in, but but don't tell me Apple's overvalued. Don't tell me Apple's a risky investment. I mean, uh, it could go down 10%, but it could just as easily be up 60% in the next year. So um, well, the other thing you're mentioning there Paul that I think is key though is that I mean, the money's got to go somewhere, and you know, by having these record low interest rates, and there's certainly no threat of those going up. I mean, sure, they might may play with a quarter point in the states, but you know, there's nothing happening in Canada. You, uh, sorry, Europe is negative. I mean, I think people have to appreciate that. For example, pension money's got to find a home, and and stocks. I think that provides a a floor for quality stocks. Absolutely. I, you know, we. One of our favorite stocks, that uh, patient home monitoring. I mean, we like the stock at a dollar twenty, and now you can pick up the stock for forty-three cents. Okay, let's let's just think about this for a second. Okay, forty-three cents. What they have three hundred thirty million shares outstanding. That's probably the problem, right? They have a lot of shares outstanding. So, I think I think you you pointed out that you know uh, oil prices going down has an effect on the entire Canadian stock market. It does. Yeah. Uh, people's portfolios aren't doing well without a high energy you know uh, component. And so they sell lots of other stocks uh, for various reasons. Anyway, the, the stock gets down to 43 cents. So 
330 million shares, you do the math, that's $120 million. Okay, now they got 23 US million in cash. It's $30 million. So you just take 100 and 130 minus 30, or $100 million. These guys are doing $155 million in revenue. Okay, so what's the margin going to be? We don't have the answer to that just yet. That's why the markets, you know, some people are nervous that maybe these guys aren't profitable and stuff. Met with the CEO uh, just uh, two weeks ago. They came up uh, they came up to Montreal. The business is very good, right? They take care of older, uh, unhealthy people in America. Uh, that's a big business and growing. They uh, they do have a very uh, nice margin. We just don't know exactly how high it is. But at these levels, you know, 20% margin, the stock's cheap, and we think the margin's going to be up around 30 and even higher. Uh, and by the way, the CEO owns $40 million worth of stock at $1.40 a share. Stock's at $0.43. Cents. I really don't care what the stock market's going to do. I'm buying the stock because I think the thing's going up, you know, it's probably a year from now it'll be up uh, 200%. So... Um, Stocks are cheap. But, but your attitude is what's important. I, I want people to hear is that, uh, you know, first of all, people always have to distinguish are you short term or long term? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, the stock market can go, go, do, go down for, for three weeks. That's not what you're looking at, um, you know, if it's developing great values. But I also love the, the theme that you're saying you look at cash flow in this world. And, uh, you know, people have to have sort of a formula for selecting positions they're going to take. And, uh, you know, there's a, a good example. Um, the other thing about, uh, I mean, I personally love businesses that are taking advantage of an aging population. And, uh, you know, if there's one growth market, I know it's old people getting sick. So <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty easy bet. Yeah, it's an easy bet. I mean, uh, as well, you know, uh, you know the, the cost of uh, somebody being in a, in a hospital is X, say X per day. Yeah. The, what patient home monitoring does is drop the cost to the insurance companies and, the, and Medicare and Medicaid to 0.1x. They save, uh, they save their clients 90%. So th this business is not going away. In fact, this is a great service or a bunch of great services. And um, the stock is, I mean, the stocks are ridiculously cheap. So things get, things get cheap. And uh, uh, input capital, where uh, I'm not going to recommend the stock because I, I just don't know, but I mean, this, uh, just to give you an idea of how volatile things are and how nervous people are, uh, they had some bad news on uh, on Thursday. Uh, the stock went down 42%. And we just did the math. They, they actually, the CEO said, we're not actually going to lose any money, uh, but we had to cancel some contracts. It's just going to take us a couple of uh, a couple of quarters to get the get our capital back. Maybe it'll take two years. I don't know. But they're not going to lose any money. But um, uh, and business is actually pretty good. But they are going to defer uh, some of the revenue. They're just not going to get for uh, let's call it uh, two three quarters. The stock was down forty two percent. This is extreme overreaction. Uh, and I, so I, I think that shows you that people are nervous and, and people don't want any bad news at all. But I think that's actually bullish for the market. I mean, there's, it's not like there are a bunch of people saying we've made a fortune in the stock market and everything's overpriced and, and uh, <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of bullishness. So I say, uh, I say markets go higher. And especially since what are you going to get in the bond market? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. You want to make, you know, do you want to make returns or do you not want to make returns, right? And uh, and 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 if you're going to sit in Canadian, let's talk about the Canadian bond market. I mean, uh, I think Mr. Trudeau is going to have a problem. He's going to inherit um, uh, a weaker economy than uh, he would like. And uh, I think, as you said, the uh, uh, I think the deficit is going to be higher than um, 
than in the past, you know, the last five, six years. But I think, in fact, people are going to um, ask for uh, capital gain. You know, they're going to they're going to realize capital losses. They're going to ask for their money back from Ottawa. I think the deficit's going to be much higher than expected. And uh, so, you know, I think the Canadian dollar is probably still going to trend lower. So why are you buying, you know, Canadian yielding product at 2 3 4 5% when the currency is going down at least another 5 <laughs> 6 7 8%? So what you do is you take your money and you buy companies that are, you know, all about America, you know, all about the U.S. And, uh, and I think that's going to be a much better return. I, I love that theme that you're mentioning there because I really think that people have to, I mean, we've been so dense to the currency, I think, generally, though. Like, I still can't believe that Canadians aren't sitting around furious. I mean, their buying power has been locked by 30%. And like in Vancouver, out there, they're complaining about, uh, you know, the cost of high-priced single-detached homes, and they forget that if you're an American buying that single-detached home, you're pretty probably broke even in the last year and a half or something because of the currency decline. We've put all those assets on sale. So why not a Canadian company who's getting the other side of that coin, getting the, oh, the benefit of the U.S. dollar? Exactly. I mean, uh, we, we also met with the uh, management of uh, one of my favorite companies. I think I mentioned them before, Terra Firma. Uh, TII mm -hmm. is the symbol. So we met with uh, Dove Mary, who was in, uh, came through town a couple of weeks ago. He had one amazing – so they're focused on the U.S., right? And so they, they – finance developers of real estate, mostly residential. And uh, business is good. Uh, housing, uh, uh, new housing in uh, the U.S. Is, uh, is coming back, and the trend is not going away. Uh, I think it's a terrific uh, investment. I think the stock is ridiculously cheap, and uh, uh, so, so we like it. But anyway, this is one stat uh, he told me about, is that the all-in cost of building down in Texas, all in. Okay, so that means land acquisition costs, including the sewers, hydro, all this stuff to, to put up a, a nice house, uh, not a high-end house, but a, a nice house, is about $100 a foot, $100 a foot. He said to do wow. the same thing in Toronto today is you have to start at 400 plus. Now, mm -hmm. how does that, how does that, I, how does that work? I, th I think there's just going to be more homes built in the U.S. They're, you know, the companies are going to Texas because the cost of you know living is is ridiculously cheaper, right? I mean, and think about that. So a three thousand uh, square foot house, you know, two car garage, the whole thing, uh, nice house, it's going to cost you three hundred thousand. Let's call it three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's not expensive. What can you get in Toronto for three hundred fifty thousand bucks? Uh, you can't get much in Montreal and Vancouver. I don't even want to talk about. It. So uh, I think there's uh, tremendous opportunity in the, in the U.S. housing space. I think the forest product stocks are going to benefit from that as well. Uh, I don't think this trend is stopping. If anything, it's accelerating. So uh, I'm talking with, uh, well, sorry, Paul, we've got to take a break here yep. uh, and let people know I'm talking with Paul BD, uh, BT Capital. The BT Global Growth Fund has averaged 13.3%, uh, wow, since its inception uh, nearly 10 years ago. More with Paul Beatty when we come back across the Chorus Radio Network. Wait to hear my shocking stat. I love it. We've got a goofy award for you. Victor Dare live from the trading desk. Ozzy Jurek on owning U.S. real estate. Hey, I got a big don't for you on that one. So that's why we're bringing Ozzy, asking to talk about it. Right now, very pleased to have with me Paul Beatty, BT Global Growth Fund, five-star rating. Hey, Paul, just before the break, you just happened to be mentioning Terra Firma and their work in Texas. Uh, you know, the other thing I love about Texas is there's no state income tax and they also have some legislation to really prevent one, basically, from coming in. Amazing, huh? I think that the big yeah, well, are... 
Yeah. Sorry. Big companies are moving there, right? Uh, Google, uh, Apple, all these uh, tech companies are moving because, you know, employees can can have a good standard of living for uh, at much cheaper prices. You know, it's not going to stop. Yeah. I love that no state income tax, as you can tell. <laughs> Let me come back to a couple other things. Is you know we we're in this, and it's just explain how you would think about this. Okay, so we've got this huge drop in energy. We've had this big drop in. I was looking at the consolidated miners or something down 62 percent. That kind of stuff. Obviously, that starts uh, twinging people to say, hey, should I be bargain hunting? How would you approach those kinds of sectors? Or if I just threw out a stock, you say, okay, well, I got, I'd have to look at X, Y, and Z before I thought that was on. Well, uh, I think I think it's all about cash flow. And, of course, the problem in the resource space is you've got to answer the first question, what the, you know, what's going to happen to the commodity price to figure out the cash flow. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's very difficult uh, to find anybody with who, with conviction, can tell you where energy prices are going, or, or frankly, where copper prices are going, I can tell you the the equities are are not expensive. I mean, uh, of course, they've come down quite a bit. I mean, especially in the base metal stocks, it's just been it's been very very tough. But if copper keeps going down, these stocks are going down, right? So yeah. our problem is we can't answer that first question, uh, and we can't find anybody to answer uh, that first question. So we're uh, we're we're struggling to be able to figure out the cash flow and. Um, so we're we're we don't have you know big positions in that space and uh, but one thing's for sure it's uh, it could go lower but it's not going to go lower forever right I mean we're we're not going to have three years of of negative energy uh, uh, commodity prices I don't think so it's uh, I think 2016 is probably going to the first half is probably still going to be a little bit tough in uh, energy space but but I would be surprised if. Uh, Energy prices aren't higher by the end of the year, and and these equities, if you believe that, then these equities are going to have a, a terrific run at one point. Uh, do you do you pay attention to that stuff? Like you know, there's so much we're always talking about on this show. What what's the market looking at? What the what are traders trading? And you know, it comes back to central bank policy, Fed policy. You know, this nonstop debate about when they're going to raise interest rates in the U.S. Uh, do you care about that? I mean, when you're when you're, again when you're approaching your uh, investments. No, I mean, uh, I listen to Don Cox every week, and I think he said it beautifully a couple of weeks back. He said, just ignore the discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they may way, uh, well raise rates in the, in the U.S. a uh, quarter point. They, they, they may do it. They probably they will do it. But who cares? What does that have to do with, uh, you know, your investors trying to, trying to make 5 6 7% a year uh, with their capital? Um, so he said, basically, just ignore it. And, and by the way, it's been talked about so much that uh, it, it's all placed in. I mean, yeah. so, well, frankly, I like it's that It's been idea. beaten to death. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly has been. I mean, so so uh, I think it's, I don't know. We, we don't spend a lot of time on it, frankly. Uh, we, yeah. we spend our time you know, looking for those cash flow multiple stocks. I mean, I, I was with a, um, a fellow, uh, uh, met the CEO of a company. He's building a mine down in, um, down in Columbia. Okay, he's building it right now. And uh, and the market cap of his company is fifty million dollars. I'm like, that's great. How much money do you need to build a mine? He goes, No, we already have the money. We're all we're financed. It's uh, it's all done, taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's about a hundred and twenty million market cap or something like this. He goes, I said, Well, how long is it going to take you? He said, Well, we'll be up and running by September, 2016. I said, Okay, fine. But 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 how much cash flow are you going to generate when you're uh, 
when uh, when this is all said and done in you know September October next year he goes we'll be running around 60 70 million in cash flow I said are you wow. kidding me how is that possible anyway we're doing some work on it we'll we'll do our due diligence but he certainly piqued my interest I mean uh, so we're going to do a lot of due diligence on this company. It's called Red Red Eagle Mining. They're they're building this mine down in Colombia. It's not a large cap company, but it's a cash flow story, and and uh, I just think it's worth looking at. And, and frankly, I don't know where the price of gold's going, but I can tell you if what they're telling me is the truth. And they're and by the way, they're halfway through construction. They're, if they're fully financed and if they're if they're building according to plan, this stock is going much much higher <laughs> at any gold price. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, stocks I, are cheap. I mean, and, and resource stocks are yeah. cheap for sure. So let's find the ones with the uh, with low cash flow multiples. Well, Paul, as usual, it's, it's such a pleasure that you find time for us. I know uh, you're uh, busy and swamped, but uh, we appreciate it very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. Uh, you're doing a great job on the show. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Paul Beatty, BT Global Growth Fund, as I say, 13.3% since their reception in September of 2006. Uh, just a reminder, by the way, uh, Tyler Bullhorn's doing uh, a seminar and technical analysis, uh, webinar, I should say, webinar. Just go to moneytalks.net. You can click on there uh, for that. And also, uh, again, the last day for the early bird ticket for the World Outlook Conference, the last day for the early birds ticket. And, uh, and I might add, uh, of course, it sold out last year, and I'm very pleased uh, about that. I expect it to do the same this year. And just a reminder, by the way, BT Global Growth, all you have to do is go to btglobal.ca, btglobal.ca. That's where you'll find it. I, I love it with Paul, though. Throws a lot of stuff at us, great stuff, and you hear how someone who manages money thinks about it. Well, if you want to re-listen that, get someone else to listen to it, well, it's simple. Go to moneytalks.net. And you can just click on that interview again, as you can for the business comments that go right throughout the week uh, and my interview uh, every midweek. So it's all there on moneytalks.net. I hope you take the time to do it. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Got a shocking stat for you. Coming up, I've got a goofy award for you. There's so many to choose from on a weekly basis. But I've got my shocking stat right now before Ozzy Jurek joins us. Uh, some big mistakes if you, by the way, own some property down the states you want to avoid, especially in terms of residency, but in terms of AA, don't cut that lawn if you're renting it out. We'll talk about that with Ozzy. Victor Adair joining me live from the trading desk. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear what he did with oil. He was short oil, obviously did very well. Oil collapsed down just below $41, so he did very well in the trading account there. The time for this week's shocking stat, pretty simple one, straightforward. You know that Barack Obama has loved social media. But did you know that the president seldom posts his own tweets? He actually has something called Obama's Office of Digital Strategy. I love this. It is a nonstop, taxpayer-funded, partisan marketing campaign by the president. But here's the shocking stat. Guess how many people, it's not like one guy sits there that just sends out those tweets or, you know, posts the Facebook or Instagram account. No. Talk about this is government at its best. There are 20 full-time employees working on this. Full benefits. Unbelievable. On just this one aspect. That's not his communication team. No, no. This is just his tweet team. His Facebook posting team, Instagram accounts, 20 full-time. I don't know. I saw that and went, wow. You know, it's funny. Uh, interesting here, Washington Post is critical 
that he thinks that they think that government by social media is going to cheapen uh, the power of the presidency because you know hashtag activism uh, compared to serious policy making it just enhances the superficiality of decision makers. Um, It'd be interesting to see, by the way, how Canadians would react to this, because it, depending on which party's in power, we've just changed governments. The Conservatives are out, as you know. Of course you know. But, uh, of course, they were criticized highly, and I agreed with this criticism, the use of taxpayers' dollars uh, you know, for advertising in this way. I wonder uh, how those same people who are critical of the Conservatives feels about Barack Obama spending this kind of taxpayers' dollars on just the Office of Digital Strategy. My goodness. That's my shocking stat of the week. Who says that government's in austerity anywhere? I don't see it, at least if you're counting spending increases. They're, reduce the, the, they're reducing the rate of growth in some areas, but boy, everybody's still spending a little bit more. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Ozzy Jurek, looking forward to this. Hey, U.S. real estate, you got some stuff to know right here on the Chorus Radio Network. I was just sitting here during the break thinking, you know, if you really do want solutions to problems, we need to change the conversation. You have to notice that, for example, the war on poverty in the States started 50 years ago, and it's worse now than when it began. Uh, you look at certain populations, look at our own uh, native reserves, not all of them, but some of them. I'm looking at Ontario, Northern Ontario, Quebec in some areas. I mean, come on, it's abysmal. The only way to change this stuff is to change the conversation to raise the level of it. That's why I invite you to go to moneytalks.net. I'm not looking for people to agree with me. I don't really care. I'm just looking to change the conversation. Uh, not all day political spin. And I know that doesn't please some people, but I'll tell you, go to moneytalks.net. You can re-listen to what you just heard with Paul Beatty. Uh, but I'd also invite you to go to the Daily Business comment there. And uh, there's just so much to talk about in these days. Ozzie Jerk joins me on the line right now. Uh, Ozzie, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. I just want to clarify, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about uh, a rolling 12-month period. Let, let's, again, people shouldn't be, you know, if this is going to apply to you, you better go get the help. We're just going to give it to you here. You don't have to memorize it, though. Um, you know, there is a rolling pro a provision, but it doesn't apply to an annual visit. Yeah, that's it. it. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I, uh, I, I, I think I might have said that it applies to a rolling 12-month period, the 183 days that you can stay a year. It's 183 days in a calendar year. So if you only go this once, it's 183 years. But the IRS uh, also looks at snowbirds that stay every year, and they have a definite ruling that says if you have a rolling calculation <laughs> qualifying rate over a three-year period, then the substantial presence test applies. And that's kind of complicated. And what I've done is for the listeners, I put it on our website with the relevant uh, website to the IRS. But essentially, they calculate each day in the U.S. in the current calendar year as one day, then each day in the prior year as only a third of a day, and the year before that a sixth of one day. So they use an example, if you stayed 120 days for each year for the last three years, you would have had 180 days. That's fine. But if in the third year or any one of those days you had 10 extra days, you would be offside and you could be considered the resident alien. So complicated calculation. And for, for those of us that spend a lot of time in the U.S., it really behooves us to have a proper tax accountant and a proper tax lawyer and to check it all out. 
Well, and one of the reasons is that what brought this up is that they've got that tighter tracking of Canadian citizens. They got it for U.S. We're not concerned about that. But Canadian citizens visiting the U.S., they've got a better tracking system now. So it does come into play, uh, you know, if you're a, a snowbird. And, and again, just, you know, go to Aussie's site and you get the idea there. Consult, a ta you know, if it's going to be appropriate. If you're in that kind of ballpark, then go talk to a tax, uh, you know, lawyer in that way. But here's the other thing. You know, a lot of people, as you know, Ozzy, great advice that you've been giving since 2011 is go out and buy that U.S. real estate. You're going to get a currency play, which has obviously come true. But also you were buying, you know, 2011, 12, you're looking for hot deals. But there's a lot of stuff around that that I still want to come forward. And, you know, I mean, you just can't go there and start renting. Renting no. it out, I mean. Start yeah, renting it out. That's very true. There's some confusion. If you have a house here and you buy a second house anywhere in the U.S., say in Palm Springs, it's fine for you to cut the lawn and paint the house and renovate. But the moment you rent it out, you're now in business. You're not allowed to, co to collect the rent yourself. You're not allowed to cut the lawn or paint or any renovations. And if you do, you're off-site. So you have to hire a property manager. That's very important. There's a whole bunch of other things you should really uh, research quite well. I mean, how do you hold the property? Is it an... Um, in your own limited uh, corporation, your own current company in Canada, or do you set up a, a U.S. company? For instance, the LLC, what they call down there, Limited Liability Corporation, doesn't apply to the Canada-U.S. Um, tax treaty, so it's not recognized. You'll have double taxation. If you buy in Florida, you're going to have double taxes on property, and more importantly, you can't get hurricane insurance. And there's quite a few other things that you should really study. Well yeah, that's my point, is that, you know, different states have different kind of registration system, you know, trustees, all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, again, my, my big thing is I don't want people in trouble. The last thing you want is to get on the radar of the IRS. I think they're the most aggressive uh, sort of revenue agency uh, that I know of in the Western world. So don't think because you're Canadian you kind of escape that stuff if you do it the wrong way. Exactly. America is the land of opportunity. Everybody can become a taxpayer, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the other one I always loved that you mentioned, by the way, at your seminar, was you're always saying, hey, look, don't buy too cheap. If cheap ain't the right thing because you're going to end up collecting your rent with a gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, in particular, Detroit is a favorite of people. Oh, there's a $17,000 house I can buy. But then in many areas, and just like in Canada, yeah. there's some good and bad areas. You know, buy for yourself and, and, and for your investors or your family. Buy in a B-plus, B-minus area, say a Coquitlam or a Richmond or a Burnaby, uh, that are close to town. Don't go uh, way out or into what I call mm -hmm. Needleville. You know, there's some places in the U.S. I don't want to get out of the car, and much like we sometimes may have here. So make sure that you do that. And finally, if you buy a condo, make sure your starter corporation is is uh, mm. not underwater and owes a lot of money that you inherit. Uh, the bottom line is this, though: if you're going to buy a property and you have some idea you're going to rent it out. That should be a big red light. Go get some expert help on that because, again, I'm just telling people, you're naive if you think that you can run afoul of the IRS. Even if you think, oh, I'm, I've got a place and I'm just renting to Canadians, be very careful. You are running a risk there. That's my big message. Uh, Ozzy, what about some hot property? Yeah, we're looking at Nanaimo this week. We found uh, the lowest-priced property is a single-family home at $109,000, and Nanaimo condo, which looks actually kind of nice, at $65,000, and a building lot you can build on $79,900. Uh, great deals in what I consider to be a, a lovely town in, in the Vancouver Island. 
So as usual, and by the way, so you can go there if you want to check out more about that U.S. residency, go to juruk.com. But as always, you can just go there and click on the hot property button. And speaking of that, Aussie is going to be hosting at the World Outlook Conference. Uh, you know, the big, this is brand new for us. It's the big afternoon of real estate. Uh, you know, on the Friday afternoon, the conference is, that, that's January 29th. It runs uh, the 30th, the, the World Outlook Conference. And Aussie's going to be hosting that. He's also going to be speaking at that. It's going to be a great event. We've never done that. And I'm really uh, very pleased about it this year. So again, uh, last day for early bird tickets at the World Outlook Conference are today. Ozzy, thanks for taking the time. Have a terrific weekend. And the same to you and your listeners. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Hey, Victor Adair is live from the trading desk. i got a feeling he's got a big smile on his face. I want to find out what he did with his oil. Plus, I've got a goofy award. Stay with us. Just a reminder, at the end of the show, Tyler Bullhorn is going to be doing his webinar. Rather, All you have to do is go to moneytalks.net, click on the first 500 people, absolutely free. But that's only room for 500, so if, uh, very, it'll be uh, very instructive and I think valuable for you. So just go to moneytalks.net for that. Just click on the stock scores uh, rep webinar. Victor Dare joins me right now. He's live from the trading desk. Hey, Vic, I, I just want to cut, cut, cut everything else out. I got to know what you did with your oil position because you were short oil. In other words, you were playing oil to come down. Your grin must have got bigger every day last week. Uh, well, you, Mike, I was on the right side of the market. I can't say that I was grinning about it in particular, but um, we had oil take a, a slide here eight consecutive trading days in a row. We came off about uh, $8 in that period of time, or 16%. The thing that caught my eye about oil, though, was I saw that the what I call the global crude supply glut story was on the front page of the Financial Times uh, about Thursday. And in the true Donald Cox tradition, you know, Don said this so much, you want to buy something when it's on page 16 and sell it when it's on the front page. I just thought that the story was just overdone, so I liquidated my short positions in crude oil on Thursday and Friday. I'm out of the market entirely. I've been short crude on and off for well over a year. Now, I have to make this point, though. I covered my short positions, but I would not be a buyer. Yeah, but uh, your point's a great one there. First of all, it's a trading position. You watch the market really react. And, I mean, anybody who was worried about oil should have sold by now, if you know what I mean. As you say, as it makes its way to the front page, there's no new news coming out about it to force it further, uh, you know, at least in a probability sense. That doesn't mean you don't think overall it won't go down further, but in this time frame, you're out. What about your gold? Because, I mean, at some point, I got to get you smiling because I was down a hundred bucks in I think eight days. Yeah, I I also covered my short positions in gold late this week, uh, and, and and here's the reasoning. I mean, uh, I had a reason to be short gold. We don't need to go all in all that. Although you could quite simply say is because I was bullish to the U.S. dollar, but the gold market fell over a hundred dollars in eight days following the announcement by the European Central Bank back in the middle of October that they were going to have an easier policy. What that did was cause the U.S. dollar to have a big rally. I keep saying commodities and commodity currencies are just the other side of the U.S. dollar. If the U.S. dollar is going up, the other stuff's going down. Of course, it's not just that simple, but that's part of it. We had gold make its lowest weekly close here in five and a half, six years, just on Friday. Again, I'm out of my short positions on gold, but I would not be a buyer of this market. 
Yeah, and as you say, you're coming back to the, the theme that I'm very proud that we have had on this show uh, since uh, the fall of 2012, which was you got to own U.S. dollars. It's going to, I mean, again, I know it's not that simple on a trading basis, but broadly speaking, you want to be in that U.S. dollar side of things and not the Canadian, and obviously that's worked out exceptionally well, and I'm, I'm still of the mind that we're, there's more to come on that one. Yeah, well, with my long-term uh, currency heads that I've had on for years here, uh, I, I remain uh, long the U.S. dollar, or I'm short the Canadian dollar, for a, a significant chunk of my net worth. But on my short-term trading, just to go along with gold and, and crude, as we just talked about, I've been short Canada. I covered my short Canada positions this week, but and here's why. Canada wasn't falling down, even though the crude market was really taking the skids. All across the commodity market, prices are getting clobbered. The Bloomberg Commodity Index now down at 16-year lows. Copper down by half of where it was in 2011. And yet Canada wasn't going down. And I'm, I'm looking at that and I think, Canada should be going down. Okay, so yeah. one of the old adages is, if you've got a market that's getting hammered with bad news and it's not going down, you should cover your shorts. So I'm out of my short Canada. Mike, I'm... I'm out of everything. I mean, I feel like an orphan here. I've got nothing on. Well, that's good news because you can go enjoy the rest of the weekend, Vic. Thanks for taking the time. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Good to talk to you. My thanks to Victor Adair. My thanks also to Ozzie Jurek, uh, Paul Beatty, and uh, my thanks to Tyler Bullhorn, who, again, go to moneytalks.net. You can get on and do his uh, webinar right at the end of the show. It's absolutely free, but we can only have 500 there. And my thanks to Michael Levy. Uh, Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a technology-based investment. It is royalty-based, though. That means you get paid first, and there's no fees attached. For more information, go to soleraclub.com. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. Politicization of the public sector is bad news for all Canadians. Nonpartisanship, I think, is a fundamental to the way the Canada's public sector is supposed to work. What's clear is when someone goes to work, and that's clear, by the way, what's clear when someone goes to work for the government is that they're employed by the crown, not the specific party in power. It's essential for the full functioning of the government, regardless of whether Parliament's sitting. And if some people in the public sector don't like it, I'm thinking of employees like Environment Canada scientist Tony Turner. Remember, he posted that Andy Harper video on YouTube. I thought that was outrageous. He's, you know, he should go work somewhere else because we are not the United States where incoming administrations appoint the upper echelons of the public service. And look at the mess that's caused, by the way. Payoffs for political favors, scandals at the IRS, and the Justice Department. No, we're Canadians. We have our system. And our system thrives on a nonpartisan public sector. Uh, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I thought when the Canadian Media Guild, that's a union representing 6,000 journalists, including reporters from the CBC, Canadian Press, when they officially registered as a third party to oppose the Conservatives, I thought that was way over the line, especially given the Liberals' promise to spend another $125 million on the CBC. All of that brings to this. You know, uh, McLean's Michael Pitro accurately described a fan fest besitting Taylor Swift when Mr. Trudeau uh, entered the facilities of what used to be called Foreign Affairs, now the Department of Global Affairs. I mean, he got that sort of rock star welcome. Well, that's not Mr. Trudeau's fault, by the way, but I thought it was totally inappropriate. You know, and it was, you know, for the public sector servants in attendance, they failed to live up to the professional standards outlined in their employment agreement. And I think in doing so, they and others showed a marked disrespect for the public they're supposed to serve. 
instead of indulge, and instead of what they did, which was indulge their own political interests. Uh, I'll tell you, I think it does huge damage to the credibility of the public sector when that happens. Just a reminder, that's why they get my goofy award, by the way. I, think I sort of stumbled through that, but I think you get the idea. Just a reminder, uh, last day for the World Outlook Conference, early bird special. You get all the bonuses, of course, with the VIP ticket, all that stuff. Last year it sold out, but yeah, we want you to come. Simple as that. Uh, we hope we sell out again. We don't see any reason not to, though. I mean, the kind of advice you've been getting there for the last three years, uh, four years, five years, six years, uh, has been unbelievable. I mean, uh, calling the top in the oil market, out of commodities, Ozzy Jurek, as I just alluded to, saying, hey, get into that, uh, some of the, some and selected U.S. real estate down as early as 2011 and some Canadian real estate, though, looking for the move there. I mean, the list is a long one of what we've done there. Ryan Irvine, small cap portfolio, brilliant, uh, all of that. Hey, I hope you come to the World Outlook Conference. Get the early bird price today. Don't procrastinate. MoneyTalks.net. That's all the time I have. I hope you also go to MoneyTalks.net and listen to the daily business comment and review anything you want to listen to again. Great stuff. Paul Beattie today. My thanks for listening.